Blog Talk Radio. Jim, what are we looking at right now? What are you saying? Yeah. I, I, yes, Aaron, I am off camera right now because I want to show you this. We've turned the camera around, panning around to the back of the arena. This is becoming violent. This is, there is pushing and shoving going on inside this arena. People are throwing objects. Police are now escorting some protesters. We don't know if they're Trump supporters or protesters being let, led out of this arena right now. But just moments ago, a very large crowd of supporters, protesters, media, it was simply rocking back and forth. As my camera just panned back over, you could see this large section of protesters I was referring to earlier. They're now shouting, Bernie. Excuse me, Captain Kirk. Yes, sir. Mr. Scott. What a charming negress. Oh, forgive me, my dear. I know that in my time, some use that term as a description of property. But why should I object to that term, sir? You see, in our century, We've learned not to fear words. May I present our communications officer, Lieutenant Uhura? The foolishness of my century had me apologizing where no offense was given. We've each learned to be delighted with what we are. You're traveling to another radio show. Broadcast not only of sight and sound, but of mind, mind. A journey into the wondrous land whose boundaries are that of the imagination. imagination. That's the on-air sign up ahead. Your next stop, Afro Nerd Radio. With your guides, Dee Bird, Captain Kirk, and on Grindhouse Saturdays, the uncanny Daryl D. Mind Expansion engaged. Good evening, my people. Apologies for the lousy opening. Something is going down at Blog Talk Radio. All these malfunctions, I tell you what, we may be shopping for another medium. Trust me on that. Anyway, deal with us with what we have. We appreciate it, folks. As always, the call-in number, 646-915-9620. Again, 646-915-9620. Zero. This is, if you haven't guessed it, the Midweek in Review edition of Afro Nerd featuring Captain Kirk. And we have two hours of information, fun, fire, and facts as always. So let's just get into it. And again, apologies for the mishap. I really hate that, as you can probably guess. Anyway, giving you the absolute very best in urban alternative groove, black rock and roll, and psychedelic soul. New from Sabata, courtesy of Afropunk. This is no my name. No, you know what? Scratch that. 
Middle of the Night by Sabata. We have quite a few jams by this group. Middle of the Night. This is new. We'll be right back. Let's groove.
you just have to let some things ride them out. Every once in a while, folks, that's middle of the night, Sabata. And again, always check out Afro, Afropunk.com, Afropunk.com. Uh, if you have a guest at a game, this is the Midweek in Review edition of Afro Nerd featuring Captain Kirk. Captain, you're needed in main engineering. Again, let's get to it, sir. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. The captain will suspend time and space, blocking out all spoiler attacks that will be directed towards AfroNerd pertaining to Flash, but by Saturday, Afro-Nerd, your dog meat. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Listen, after this broadcast, I'm going right to uh, to the TV, sir. Anyway, uh, folks, we're back again. Uh, I think I'm going to bounce around a bit, Cap, because you actually sent quite a few stories within the last, what, three hours or so, <clears throat> three or four hours. And that's how, often, how it oftentimes happens, is that you have a few to- – well, we're, we're never at a at, – well, there's never a problem with having topics. But you get a flurry within 12 hours before we go on air. So that's just the way it works out. If you'd like to join us, folks, the door is always open. The mic is, mic is are always on. 646-915-9620. Um, well, first up, you know, I, I got a a tweet from our supporter Bison out of the DMV. I think Maryland specifically in his case. And he was talking about this. Uh, well, he tweeted out this interesting vehicle that's coming out with um, David Oyelowo. Um a sci-fi thriller by J.J. Abrams. I, I, did we ever talk about this, Captain? I thought that this is, unless there's another one. I can't believe there's another black sci-fi thing. But it seems to be, if it was mentioned before, they seem to be mentioning it, mentioning it again for some reason. Didn't we hear about some sci Why are they mentioning this, mentioning this again? I don't know if it's the same one. I don't know if it's the same one, because I would have remembered that name. You know, I don't, you know. You know what? I don't. I, you know what? You're right. I don't think it's the same project. Oh, you know what it is? Mm-hmm. Now I remember. The uh, the first one. See, first of all, I, I could take this in a different, a lot of different directions. Um, we don't play Plantation Olympics, even if it's across the pond, and from the motherland. But if you want to be technical, Lupita, I think, was the actress that's connected to some kind of sci-fi thing. That was what we discussed uh, a few weeks ago, maybe a month and a half ago. This one is with Oyelowo uh, and Gugu Mbatha-Raw from a, a very lovely actress. Uh, she's getting a lot of gigs. Well, both these, these um, actors are getting these gigs. But this one's called The God Principle. 
And I guess what they're talking about is uh, J.J. is on a roll with the recently released 10 Cloverfield, Cloverfield, pardon me, 10 Cloverfield Lane. So now um, he is producing this God Particle vehicle. And it also has the distinction of not only having a yellow O and Gugu, but Julius Ona. And Julius Ona is the Nigerian-American director that's connected to this thing. Now, what Bison, how he tweeted this out, and I have to concur, and maybe I'll, I'll, I'll delve, we'll both delve a little more deep into this, is he's saying, will the blurred support this? Um, I, well, I'm less worried about the blurred supporting it uh, and more concerned about the overall public, but this this may or may not be a complete black vehicle. I don't think it's a complete black black vehicle. They are lead actors in this um, in this property. But JJ, he has said that he is, uh, you know, he's very on board with the initiative of diversity, and you know, he's a younger dude. He's very successful. Uh, let's face it, he's of Jewish descent. And that sometimes that plays a role. You have folks that are somewhat radical in a good way where they, will, they, they want to shake things up, and there's less of a fear of doing that. So, uh, but from my understanding, I've seen this in print quite a few times, is that he wants to make films that reflect America. So that's, I thought that's code word for we have to have more color up in here, to quote, <laughs> to quote Spike Lee. Um, but let, let's go to... Let's go to Bison's question, though, Cap, is it about the blurred supporting this thing, or is it more of a, of a universal kind of thing? When you start seeing black people, brown people, and what have you um, in space, not that we haven't seen them in space before, but you know, you, you and me, we're, we're very much about trying to push a certain narrative. Admittedly, you know, there's folks that have the the the, um, the lower tier narrative. I, that's not our thing. So I'm, I pose the question to you. I'm going to put the link to the Verge.com article that talks about this God Particle film. Your thoughts, sir? Well, I think both. Because you see a lot of blurs, as we already see with the podcasters, when we are quantumly linked, when we step in stride, we do have some influence, meaning which we put things on the Internet, we, we blog, we, you know, social media, that sort of thing. And that can sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes start to shake up things if we're moving together, we're moving in step. So the blurbs, it's definitely important. But general audience is more important. <clears throat> definitely the general audience is more important. And when you have someone like J.J. Abrams, J.J. Abrams, let me say it correctly, J.J. Abrams, you have somebody who's in the driver's seat right now due to the great movies, in case you don't know, you know, Star Trek, a few other movies of that nature. Huge, 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 huge. All right? Executive produces movies. He doesn't all the time direct, you know, produces, that sort of thing. Huge, big. Just as you said, Afro-Nerd, he can shake the room a bit, and people will listen. Sometimes, what I say, not sometimes, a lot of times, when we try to shake the room, no one pays attention, you know. He shakes whole forests. Someone such as him, he could shake a whole forest. You have to pay attention. So you need everything going. 
to bring attention to a project such as this. So it's very important on both sides. We just have to move lockstep with it. And most of all, it has to be a good film. You know, if it's not a good film, you just you do, it doesn't work that way. We just come out and support it. If it's garbage and you have a few black faces in it, <laughs> you're not going to support it. It has to touch us somehow, some way. Needs to be a good film at the end of the day. Back over to you, Afro. Yeah, um, I'm going to mention a couple of things. Also, I'm bouncing around again, folks. If you haven't guessed it, this is the Midweek in Review edition of Afro Nerd featuring Captain Kirk. Um, just this, this just out, and I'm going to place a link to this and a hat tip to QStorm from QStorm Media and also a stalwart supporter of the Afro Nerd machinery. Uh, unbeknownst to me initially, we have a man of color who is most closely associated with um, Image's book, Bomb Queen. I, I'm not, I know of Bomb Queen. I've seen it, but I can't get everything. I, I'm close to getting everything, and I, I will probably pick up Bomb Queen, but I've, I have seen the book. So we have Jimmy Robinson, who is a writer, double duty as a writer, artist, comic creator. And uh, yeah, Bomb Queen, we have five weapons. And now we have a book. I'm, I'm going to put this link from the Kotaku website. Um, and I, I don't know. Hmm. I'm going to read this briefly. And I think Q was a little a little perturbed about this. Rightfully so. Let me put this in the in the chat room. Uh, I think it might be going into tropey into a tropey arena. Maybe. Anyway. Uh, Jimmy Robinson has this book, and it's called Power Lines, Power Lines from Image. So this is, let me read this briefly, and I'm going to pose this to you again, Captain. Out this week, a comic book where a black street dude and a white racist get superpowers. Our friend, our friend Kwanzaa, with Black and the notoriety that came from that Washington Post article, uh, I'm sure the two have, they don't have anything to do with each other, but it seems ironic that we have black creators that are kind of tapping into a, a surre- surreal kind of thing. Anyway, um, people hate Superman because he's an alien. The X-Men get giant robots sicked on them because they're mutants. Racial prejudice has informed the subtext of loads of storylines in superhero comics, but Power Lines moves it to the foreground, giving people who hate each other powers and abilities beyond those of mortal men. Out this week from Image Comics, Power Lines number one is the creation of longtime writer-artist Jimmy Robinson. He's best known for raunchy, slyly subversive series like Bomb Queen and Five Weapons and his work generally aims squarely at the popcorn taste of a mass-market audience. Power Lines shares the same broad thematic approach as Robinson's other work, but is grimmer and more grounded in tone. Uh, let me just read a little bit about this. Um, make no mistake, Robinson deals in stereotypes in this first issue. Okay, this is probably what... Well, okay. Main character D. Trick <laughs> is... Stra- is straight out of Minister Society or another 1990s hood flick, a low-level street dude who will be going to college soon. Okay, that sounds like Mike Brown. 
The same goes for suburban mom Sarah Bellingham, who spews the kind of rhetoric heard from right-wing conservatives. There's even a Native American shaman on the fringes of the action, empowered with historical knowledge about the mysterious powers that suddenly flare up for Dietrich and Sarah. Hmm. I'm going to skip around and go to the, to the last paragraph. If Powerline stumbles, it could be a superhero version of Paul Haggis' 2004 movie Crash. Thing well-intentioned, but so flawed in execution that it doesn't matter what it's trying to say. But if it executes it well, it could be an intriguing look at what superhero power fantasy looks like through the prism of the present day. Hmm. I don't know. I see that uh, again. Our, our friend, our friend Q Storm. I think he kind of put this out there as if, oh, you know, he says, "Okay." What are your thoughts about the premise? Well, Maybe he's going to flip the reality. Here's, here's the reality when it when it comes to imagery, at first glance, and let's include also what you're reading minus the imagery. At the first glance, at this juncture in time. You need to have, because of the state that we're in, I would say 75% of our images that are going out there, we need to have that Huxtable Cosby type of image. We do need to have that because of what these images and also what you're reading, which are not those images, you know, (laughs) but they tie into those images because what it does, these images are empowering. That's the bottom line. They empower and they have real-world change after a period of time, after a period of time within our different communities. But at the same time, there's something called balance. You do need some of these other type of images because they do really exist, do really exist. You know, if we're getting powers, hypothetically speaking, you might have a few people from a lower demographic that might get powers. So it's interesting also to see what they would turn around and do with it. You know, it it does make sense. But these don't need to be the majority of the images, in my opinion. You need to have few and far between just to balance it out. We need more of those Huxtable type of images because they're empowering, empowered. They actually change, have real-world change over a period of time, over a period of time, over a period of time. When you take in, you ingest, you fortify your system with those type of images and also what you're reading which in turn ties in with these images. So it, it, it just it needs to be balanced that way. I'm not, I'm not going to hate on the book until actually, you know, it goes down, and I'll see. If it's well done, there you go. If it's so-so, then I can hate on it. Sometimes these things are, are well done. Usually not, but sometimes they're well done. That's my opinion on it, Afro-Nerd. Yeah, ho- hopefully um, he will flip this where it doesn't get into, into like a tropey kind of thing. Cap, one quick thing. Do you, do you see the time on, on the on-air sign? Yeah, negative. Negative. It's not there. It's uh, totally this is what I mean. Zero. <laughs> that's zero. All right, because I, 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 you know, all right. Um, well, I'm assuming we're on air, but it's, it's very peculiar. Um all right, you know, let's let's go to a groove. We're going to try to get um, some technical assistance. Um, bouncing around more still. Um, 
I still want to um, play a groove, and then we'll figure it out. But it's, it's you know maybe something that's just internal w- with their systems. I mean, I, I, I'm led to believe we're, we're, we are on air. Uh, very very peculiar. All right. Anyway, this is classic groove. The family stand connected. We'll be right back.
Okay, we're back. Family Stand Connected. Family Stand Connected. This is the Midweek Review edition of AfroNerd featuring Captain Kirk. Cap, I found out what the problem is. This is going to be a true podcast because uh, I guess I goofed and didn't allot the correct time. We, it was allotted for 15 minutes somehow. Normally, it would have been for two hours. So, yeah, I see that uh, <laughs> Yeah, so it's in rec- you know it's in record it's in record only mode. So um, we'll make the best of it. I think we'll do maybe an hour or something because I did want the I did want the audience reaction, uh, but not that it matters. I mean, you know, we do what we normally do, but um, we'll stick it out as long as we can. But it does kind of make things kind of screwy for me. Um, Anyway, uh, I, I do want to go, as I said, I wanted to bounce around, and, and you know, the folks are listening to this anyway, uh, so we, get, we can scratch the call-in number. Normally, I'm, I'm putting out the call-in number, uh, so that's kind of dead. Um, anyway, you, you, sent, um, you sent another article to me, which I thought was pretty fascinating, and it, it posited that black, there's such a thing as black privilege or some think that there's black privilege. I mean, we've heard this before, but I, I'm kind of confused. Well, you know, I guess maybe at the advent of Donald Trump, his his uh, Republican presidential run, put this out here. What are your thoughts about what they're trying to say? And I'll unpack it a little, a little bit more. My My thoughts are brief. You know, it's madness, you know, <laughs> it's madness from my, from my standpoint, you know. You, you have to be real careful when you're dealing with the powers that be. When the powers that be don't get the rules to go in their favor, they want to switch things up. We know that. We've known that for years. You got to be real careful. You got to take this at a grain of salt. There's a slight bit of truth of what they're saying, a slight, which I'm not going to get into. It doesn't really warrant discussion. But that's what the powers of be will do. They'll switch things around when, it, when the situation, when the system does not work accordingly. And that's all I'll say about it. I'll hand the rest to you, sir. Yeah, I'm going to um, refer to this article from CNN. And I'll unpack what they're trying to say. But, uh, you know, like you said, I, I'm going I'm to chime in with what you're saying, too. I think it sounds. I think it's, it's it's really lunacy. It says here uh, again, it's time to talk about black privilege. Here's some good news for all you black folks complaining about racism in America. You don't know how good you have it. At least that's the message I heard during one of the strangest conversations I've ever had about race. I was talking about the concept of white privilege, the belief that being white comes with unearned advantages and everyday perks that, it, that its recipients are often unaware of. I asked a white retiree if he believed in the existence of white privilege. He said no, but there was another type of privilege he wanted to talk about, black privilege. Confused by his answer, I asked him to give me an example of a perk that I enjoyed as a black man that he couldn't. His answer, Black History Month. Oh, I'm going to have a hard time reading this, Kirk. <laughs> in, ans- in America, this is the gentleman that, you know, 
who was asked this question. In America, you can't even talk about whiteness, said Drew Domelik, who lives in Green Bay, Wisconsin. If you try to embrace being white, you are portrayed as being a racist. If we had a white history month, that would be viewed as a racist holiday. Domelik isn't the only one who believes in black privilege. The term is being deployed in conservative circles as a rhetorical counterattack to the growing use of the term white privilege. It's part of a larger transformation. White is becoming the new black. (laughs) Google the phrase black privilege and one steps into a universe where whites struggle daily against the indignities heaped upon them because of their skin color. In books and articles such as Black Skin Privilege and The American Dream, and it's past time to acknowledge black privilege, white commentators describe how blackness has become such a tremendous asset that some whites are now trying to pass as black. If you are a skeptic, there's even a black privilege checklist listing some of the perks blacks enjoy that whites cannot. Okay. A sample. Blacks can belong to clubs and organizations that cater specifically to their race, but there's no national association for the advancement of white people because such a group will be deemed racist. Blacks can call white people honky and cracker, but whites cannot use the N-word. The concept of black privilege is still so new, though, that some of the nation's most acclaimed scholars on race didn't even know it existed. One giggled when she heard the phrase because she thought it was a joke. Others were bewildered. Some became angry. Count Peggy McIntosh is one of the angry. She's arguably more responsible for popularizing the concept of white privilege than anyone else. An activist and retired Wellesley College professor, her 1989 essay, White Privilege, Unpacking the Invisible Knapsack, has been widely reprinted and is now taught in many colleges. Her essay gives examples of what McIntosh calls white privilege. I can go shopping alone most of the time, pretty well assured that I will not be followed or harassed. If a traffic cop, if a traffic cop pulls me over, I can be sure I haven't been singled out because of my race. I'll read this last bit right here, and then we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. McIntosh scoffed at the idea of black privilege. When you've had as much freedom as freedom to do what you want to do and think what you want, and say what you want, and act as you please, then you get irrationally rankled at having to curtail your life and your thought in any way, says McIntosh, who also, who also founded the National SEED Project, S-E-E-D Project, which helps teachers create courses that are more gender-sensitive and multicultural. She said, the black privilege checklist sounds like a prolonged whine from people who resent being challenged about their white privilege. All right. Um, yep. All right. Listen. <laughs> I suspect you, you. You you see my you see my my awkwardness in even trying to preach this topic. It, it's so absurd. You know. I would never say there's not a, not such a thing as white privilege. I mean, that, that, that's, that's, this goes without, that's like saying the sky is blue, you know, water is wet, fire is hot. 
my issue with black folks, and I've said this countless times, and you know, when I go into, well, black folks need to do such and such, the reason why I go into that kind of talk is because that's what's required. Because you're dealing with, obviously, a delusional mindset, a delusional mindset. So not only are you dealing with this mindset and that white privilege is a thing, but you're also dealing with black inferiority complexes and a whole host of issues that could act as a type of barrier to your success. And you only have one life. Only have one life. There's a finality to certain things. This is the, this is the part that irritates me about how some black folks might get irritated by this. I'm less irritated about it. I, I guess I'm more of not shocking, and you're never going to be able to convince these people otherwise. I mean, if you break down, if you break down most major indices as to qualifying or quantifying black progress, we come up short on many of these indices, many of them. When it comes down to generational wealth, um, how, much, how much the households earn, black and white, uh, it's, it's, it's astronomical. Even a, a moderate, a moderate black, a white person or a white person that would perceive himself, herself, himself to be poor, they would, they would perceive themselves to be poor, still would outpace many black people. Now, black folks have made some successes, but I think what happens is that the, the successes are so magnified, and that's thanks to the media. Everything is so over the top that one person becomes 15,000 black people. This, I'm, that's probably below that. I'd say a million. The success of Oprah is a million black people. That's how I think some white folks perceive it. And I mean, where would I where would I even start with deconstructing what this man how he felt? I mean, he said, you know, one month out of twelve is an irritant to him. And the only reason why you have a black I mean, that's, that's, I mean, you can't, you know. I mean, oh man! I mean, you can't. You know, listen. If we could have an honest conversation, but if we're living in two different universes, and and it's not even an issue of my truth versus your truth. It's not even. It's not even. You know how I feel and how you feel, and we we have to kind of figure this out. No, there's the, there is the truth. The truth is that in 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 major universities. And informative educational institutions, Kirk. White history is the history. European history, true. U.S. American history, it is the history. That's a fact. That's a fact. That's a fact. One hundred percent. And matter, and matter of fact, is this? It's so much. It's so much of a fact that in states like Texas, they're even doubling down on it. Now. We can't even call a slave a slave. Now they're uh, enslaved workers. They're using all kinds of weird euphemisms now. They're trying real hard to construct or create their own historical narrative. In Texas, and I think Arizona might be behind. There's a few states, but I know for sure 
Texas has that ish with them, or maybe some of these other southern states in the present day, they're making it very hard that even in America, in, in, in the general American narrative, which is oftentimes 90% white, that the few people of color that would, that would have to be included, they're still diminishing that and rewriting history. So one month is an irritant to this guy. And he fails to acknowledge that they do have white-only organizations. Some are bold enough to name themselves that. But when they do name themselves as white this, white that, Aryan Brotherhood, all kinds of euphemisms, not neo-Nazis, whatever, when there's talk about white racial pride, even these, even with the church, even have churches that have this same, this this same um, belief system under under uh, white pride. Oftentimes, they they did, often I have yet to see one that that is just it, it. It always has a racial context to it. It's not about being pro-white and not anti-black. Off the time, that goes hand in hand. Now, with the quote-unquote pro-black groups, pro many pro-black pro pro-black groups have had white, if not white members, white allies. There are no black allies to the Klan, not that I'm aware of. At least not at least not blatantly. I can make the argument that some of these gangbangers are allies to the Klan. I can make that argument, but they don't know it, and it's not co- it's not codified that way. But the, you know, I, I I repeat the word finality. There's a finality to things that I think you and I are very much on the same page, and there many of our quote unquote brethren and sorrows they're not on the same page. They're still caught up in the emotion, like this kind of thing right here. I mean, I, I can't get emotional about it because it, it's 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 kind of it's a finality to it. These, this this guy really believes that there's there's, there's a, a thing of black privilege, and I guess what it, what it really boils down to is that the minutia of movement that a person of color makes is it, it might as well be the moving of a mountain to a person like this. Yep. Like in in, a, in the it. natural scheme of things, you know, it just, I mean, the little bit of things that he's the little things that he sees um, are so pronounced. It, it he sees it as it's just they're taking over. I mean, if, if you and I literally took took an inch step, an inch, an inch step forward, an inch, that inch sounds like. It's 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 like a a a bell is being has been rung. It's literally the the footstep of a giant. If a, he art that inch of a step sounds like a giant moved in his mind. So everything is exaggerated. One month, one month that we call, and the only reason why you have a Black History Month is because you don't get this information on a on a mainstream level. But you're not going to be able, you're not going to be able to have a conversation with a guy like that. The blacks are taking over. No indication <laughs> of that. That's probably 
if if that's the way he feels, that's probably why Obama is catching the hell that he is. Times, or should say, forty three times you had a white guy. The forty fourth time, although forty three times went your way, that one time it's Armageddon yep. in this guy's mind. I mean, even if you don't like the guy, you have you have to at least deal with the math. Forty three to one. And that's like way too much for him. That's that's the part that bugs me out. Forty three times went your way. One time you can't let go. One time. And it might be another twenty years or more if we ever see another person of color in there. If that happens. I'm I'm pretty sure we might see another black president in our lifetime. We might, or at least someone doing someone who has a pretty good shot at it. Anyway, um, I, I I can't even respond to that. Let's move on a little bit. I want to talk about something that we had on list before, Cap. Um, this is going back to the to the past. Now this is something that, um, I I could take it at two angles. Uh, it's part of the historical record. And it dates back to an interview that's over 20 years old. That should have been the, the, for for the disclosure of this information going back 20 years. It should have really caused a ruckus. Now it was brought up brought up again for some reason. It was revisited again, and I, I think we're so distracted that no one is paying attention. And this is the kind of Disclosure that should should make the world crack in half. And if anything, I'm not even hearing enough red, black, and green type of black folks coming to the to coming to the the fold to talk about a revelation made by a Nixon administration, someone from the Nixon administration, a high-ranking person from the Nixon administration who went to jail for 18 months, incidentally, for the Watergate scandal, John Ehrlichman who was President Nixon's White House counsel. Um, he's also his, his domestic affairs advisor. I mean, this was his right-hand dude. And he went to jail for 18 months. And in a 1994 article, because Mr. Ehrlichman passed on in 1999, he essentially said the war on drug campaign was something that was intended, intended to disrupt communities, specifically white radicals slash hippies, as he would call it, especially in the early 70s. And, and for the 60s to the early 70s, the term hippies was a thing. The hippie movement was these drugged out, at least that's the, that is the stereotype, you know, drugged out, ultra left-wing, left-wing young folks that were down for whatever. So you had the hippies and you had black people. And the war on drugs was meant to you know, to criminalize black people and to disrupt the hippie community. Because if you have these ultra-liberal ultra hippie-dippy types with black radicals, they didn't want that, those two groups to kind of co-mingle. And it was evidence that that was happening. Um, Nixon 
through this war on drugs campaign. Allegedly, uh, you know, this, this goes back to the whole belief. I mean, there's, there's a whole lineage of this, too. I mean, going, in for, going from one administration to another, um, Iran, Iran-Contra, which was uh, very pr- prominent with the, with the um, Ronald Reagan administration, the Reagan administration. But we're talking about specifically Nixon. For, for, for this admission in this interview, it, it pretty much confirms what so many folks, uh, and especially in black and brown communities, have always been stating. But it, it's been stated kind of, you know, this is, it's barbershop talk. But now that you have, so I'm confused that you have a high-ranking government official years later in a moment of candor in an interview 20 years ago making this admission. It, it, it's brought back up again, and it's not really, not really um, taken seriously. I mean, is Trump is Trump that interesting compared to this? I mean, this should be a bombshell. That's what I'm a bit confused on. I, I'll tell you what I do. I'm going to go to this clip um, if I can find it. Bear with me, Cap. Um, well, you know what? Let me get your thoughts while I'm looking for this clip. But I think it's interesting that it's not as a big of a. I mean, it was on a page of the Daily News a few days ago, but you would figure this would be just just more more out there. Well, I, well, I think you know what they were trying to do probably actually worked. <laughs> you know, so we don't we don't have that type of fight anymore. That's one aspect of it. That might not be the case. That's one aspect of it, but. As you said before, within the different black communities, a lot of the a lot of us have known that this is what the powers that be do. Some of the shenanigans they get up to, from the Tuskegee Airmen all the way on down, this is nothing new. This is just confirmation. And there was also talk about that pertaining to the crack epidemic. There's a lot of talk out there pertaining to that. One one person that talked about who's now dead is William Cooper. According to William Cooper, he said, you know. The crack cocaine was put into the black community. And I, and, I, and I looked at some of his paperwork and a few other people's paperwork that talked about that. And he said, yes, it was there to destroy black people, but not for the reason that you think. They wanted to fund their black ops programs. Why would they want to fund black ops programs? Because you don't have to go to Congress and... You know, you don't have to go to Congress. The president doesn't know about it. Plausible deniability. You hear about that all the time. So you make a government within a government. And there's a lot of these type of drug programs that the government runs in order to get money. Then later on, he added into it, now dead, Mr. William Cooper, he added into it that they found, via the lobbyists, that they can fuel the industrial prison complex because these Young black males, they're selling drugs, they're getting caught up. What do you do after you catch a felony? You know, you can't work city, state, federal, or private jobs at that given point. So you go right back to the drug thing, and you're in prison, and it's a, a cycle that goes back and forth. Perfect scenario, perfect storm. You destroy the black community, you get the black ops programs funded, and then you also fuel 
what is known as the prison industrial complex. Perfect scenario. They were also thinking about, according to him, putting into the white communities. But he said it wouldn't work because they would come in and stop it within the white community. Within the black communities, the black people are not going to stop it. They don't have the power to stop it. And then the white people at the top wouldn't care. This is what he said. Now you just have to wait for the confirmation to see if it's true or not. We have the confirmation pertaining to this now. There you go. That's all. Nothing new. Nothing new. All right, I found this clip. I want to read this quickly. This is from Wiki, and then I'm going, to, I'm going to play this clip. This is from the Secular Talk. Secular Talk is a YouTube imprint. Um, anyway, so before I play, play that, I want to just read this clip from Wiki. Writing for Harper's, journalist Don Baum described a meeting he had with Ehrlichman in 1994. Baum was writing a book about the politics of drug prohibition. Ehrlichman gave his story about the real reason for Nixon's war on drugs. The Nixon campaign in 1968 and the Nixon White House after that had two en- <coughs> pardon me, two enemies, the anti-war left and black, black people. You understand what I'm saying? We knew we couldn't make it illegal to be either against the war or black, but by getting the public to associate the hippies with marijuana and blacks with heroin and then criminalizing both heavily, we, would, we could disrupt those communities. We could arrest their leaders, raid their homes, break up their meetings, and vilify them night after night on the, new, on the evening news. Did we know we were lying about the drugs? Of course we did. Now, this admission was, again, going back to 1994. Now, since then, someone who is, was an aide or uh, uh, an associate to Mr. Ehrlichman is saying that he was prone to exaggeration and straight up lied. So now we're getting a cover up over a cover up. So, you know, this will make your head spin. But right away, I mean, I just recollect reading this recently that he's kind of coming in to do some kind of damage control uh, for what happened. You know, I, I, I can't say. I, I'm inclined to believe the first story is, is the honest one. Like wh- wh- why would he disc- why would he say something this detailed, and then it-, it wouldn't be truthful? The guy did do 18 years. Pardon me, sorry, 18 months. Pardon me. He should have done 18 years. All right, this is uh, secular talk. Give you about three or four minutes, and then we'll go on to something else. But um, I- I- you know what? I'll make a few more statements after this. Hold on. Harper's Magazine did an interview in 1994 with Richard Nixon's chief domestic advisor, a guy named John Ehrlichman. And this story has basically been unearthed again this week because there's a stunning moment of honesty, the real motivation behind the drug war. So remember, this is a guy who's big in Nixon's administration, one of his top guys, and he said the following about the reason behind the drug war. Quote, You want to know what this was really all about? The Nixon campaign in 1968 and the Nixon White House after that had two enemies, the anti-war left and black people. You understand what I'm saying? We knew we couldn't make it legal. Excuse me. We knew we couldn't make it illegal to be either against the war or black. But by getting the public to associate the hippies with marijuana and blacks with heroin, and then criminalizing both heavily, we could disrupt 
those communities. We could arrest their leaders, raid their homes, break up their meetings, and vilify them night after night on the evening news. Did we know we were lying about the drugs? Of course we did. (laughs) That is the most damning admission I've ever read in my life. That's unbelievable! This should be breaking news on every single network, and in a sane, rational world, this would mean that politicians on both sides of the aisle would come out today, and they would say, whoa, 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 we gotta decriminalize immediately. This was the whole point of the drug war? This was the whole point, to police hippie communities and black communities, because they are anti-Nixon, and Nixon wanted to control those populations, and make it so that he had more power, if that was the point, this isn't a question. It's over. We gotta decriminalize and we gotta do it now. At the very least, more likely we should legalize. <laughs> but naturally, crickets, crickets in the mainstream media. I'm not sure anybody covered this. I'm not sure anybody covered this. You know what this reminds me of? It, the Iraq War. Once we learned that it, it's just factually incorrect to say that Saddam Hussein worked with Osama bin Laden to do 9-11. We learned, as a matter of fact, that Saddam Hussein did not do 9-11. That was the whole pretext of the war. He did 9-11. We got to go in there. And then when we learned that wasn't the case, we just moved the goalposts. <laughs> we was like, oh, was that the reason that we said we were going to win the war? We didn't mean that. We mean he has weapons of mass destruction? Can we go with that one? All right, let's go with that one. And then when we learned that one was total bullshit and he didn't have weapons of mass destruction, move the goalposts again. Say, so, um, he's a bad guy? You guys buying this? And the media's like, bad guy, we're going to run with that one. Yeah, terrible guy. Here, look at these bad things that he did. By the way, when he did those bad things, he did it with our support and with our weapons, and we cheered him on. But, oh, look at the bad things he did to the Kurds. It's terrible. And, yeah, we need to topple him now, even though we supported him when he did it. We should topple him. Just move the goalposts, move the goalposts. So here we have an admission from one of Nixon's top advisors. We did the drug war because we hate hippies and we hate black people, and we wanted to control those communities. Media's... Nothing to see here. Yeah, no, the reason why you got to be against drugs is because, like, drugs are bad. Drugs are bad. I'm doing the Mr. Mackey voice from South Park. Drugs are bad. Okay. What a joke. And, I mean, think about it, man. It doesn't require that much thought. What's legal right now? You know, you go to the doctor, get a prescription for Xanax. You go get a prescription for Percocet. You got a back pain or something like that. It's basically heroin in a pill. It's an opiate. You go get a Red Bull or Monster Energy. There's stories about when you drink too much of that shit, it causes a heart attack. That's a drug. It's a super strong upper. You know, drink one of those things. Woo! You're going fucking nuts. It's almost like cocaine in a can. Adderall basically is meth. It's a pill. It's methamphetamine. Unbelievable. Uh, All that stuff is legal. Alcohol is not only legal, but it's available everywhere. Alcohol is way more deadly than marijuana. So we have all these things that are perhaps way more dangerous that are legal. But marijuana? Hmm. We gotta lock you up for that. It has nothing to do with, it's so dangerous that we must stop everybody from doing it. Gosh, we care about the future of our kids. It has to do with, fuck those black people. We gotta control those black people. And this is another reason why there was a great book that came out recently called The New Jim Crow. What's the whole point of that book? Well, it explains. You know, black people went from being slaves to 
after that, living uh, under segregation, where they're officially second-class citizens, and they had no opportunity whatsoever. And then we went right from that to we got to police the community somehow and control the undesirables. So now just try to criminalize uh, black livelihood and lifestyle. So, you know, in white communities, if it's, if it's more common that everybody gets home from work and drinks a six-pack, that's totally legal, totally fine. In black communities, if you come home from work and you smoke a joint, criminal, criminal, lock them up, throw away the key, lock them up, throw away the key. So you criminalize the black lifestyle when they didn't do anything wrong, and then you can easily control the population, and politicians were taking advantage of that. That's the whole point. Nixon was like, yeah, that's what I want to do. I want to control the fucking hippies. I want to control the black people. They don't vote for me. They're not on my side, so, and they're a problem. So let's control them so I can do more of what I want to do and get my will through. And the way we control them, we can't criminalize being black or being a hippie. It's unconstitutional. You can't do that. And that's too obvious that this is a police state. So I don't know. Let's ban drugs. And then most important. All right. I think you get the point. That guy was the best. He was the best. <laughs> Shout out to Secular Talk. Secular Talk on YouTube. He is going to pretty, pretty cool rants about this kind of stuff. Um, I'm going to mention something, um, another shout out or hat tip to Karen Hunter of Sirius XM. Uh, she surprises me on occasion because, um, you know, listen, I, I make no bones that much of what happens on black in black media or what's left of black media, it's, it's very much of, um, I should call it no agency radio. No agency radio. Where whatever happens, we are victims into perpetuity. We have no control over our over our lives. And you know, I, I wanted to kind of mention this with the last topic, Captain, when there was this whole notion by that by that ignoramus that there's a such a thing as black privilege. It's not black privilege. It's black victim victimization, and that there's a type of power you can you can access through black victimization. I would implore our listenership, which I've mentioned countless times, to pick up the book "Content of of Our Character," "Content of Our Character" um, by Shelby Steele. And he posited, and this is what actually reading that book put me on track to being more conservative in my thought process because he had said that if you ascribe to victimization as a person of color, specifically a black person, you never have to be personally responsible for anything. It's always going to be uh, racism, slavery. That's going to be the default answer for everything. So in listening to Karen Hunter, she had said something about this because she did touch on this. Everyone, not everyone, a number of outlets did touch on this particular disclosure. But again, you know, it should be far more of a, a, an expo, expose. I mean, you would figure this would be t- – we're more concerned about this young lady who has a few bruises on her forearm at the uh, from Breitbart, Trump's campaign manager, than we are about – a former Nixon aide that said that he's responsible for the demise of black people and white white hippies. I mean, 
the linchpin of how many black people feel, like the, the conditions that we're in today, whether you want to, rightfully or wrongfully, whatever you may think, this is a this is a lot of evidence that confirms that there's something went on. Now, but with with I, I will say this: when Karen Hunter said something that I would say, and and I'm always surprised when someone who's normally on the victim the victimhood in perpetuity train says something that I would say. She said, you know, this went this went down. It, you know, even if this did did go down the way that Ehrlichman said it went down. Uh, you didn't have to take the drugs because because they're in your community doesn't mean you have to take them. Now, rarely do I hear someone say something in response to that. I say these kind of things in my head. I might say them on air on our show, but I'm known for being what are they calling me now, Captain Mister Controversial? So yes, sir. So. So I'll say that. I mean, to have some agency. I mean, they sell Clorox in the neighborhood, too. You're not drinking it, are you? Are black people drinking Clorox in mass? It's sold in black neighborhoods. So she went into a, a similar brief, brief rant about because this, went, because this stuff was going on in the community doesn't mean – like some people aren't just into drugs. I'm not, you know, you and I, we're not drug people. So, you know, you you could do, you could do whatever. I mean, flooding, 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 our, I mean, as far as how you and I get down, and our inner sanctum, all of our peoples. I could be in a, in a room full of drugs. It's not going. It doesn't mean anything to me. Drugs aren't my deal. Now, if you put me in a room full of comic books, I might OD on that. Sure, <laughs> that that's my drug. Comic books and all kinds of you know positivity, but as far as drugs, no. Um, I'm not completely heartless. Uh, th- this this is a thing. Obviously, obviously, this you know it went down that way, but it does make you wonder. You know, not everybody's into drugs though. What, what's what's so appealing about drugs where it affected people in mass, or a large swath of the black community got caught up in this. I'm not. I'm not even a fan of beer. I've had beer here and there. I'm not. You know. I'm not absurd. I drink beer here and there, but on occasions, occasionally, but it's just not my thing. But uh, I'm. You know, we may bring this up again, Captain. I'm. I'm very intrigued about it. I mean, listen, Watergate was one of the greatest political scandals in American history. I mean, it. It almost. You had. You had. Several, several Nixon high-ranking Nixon officials that went to jail. I mean, G. Gordon Liddy famously went to jail, and G. Gordon Liddy became a talk show host after this. That's another thing. Some of these people went to great fame. The irony is, is that there was a man of color who was a security guard at the time. Um, if I can recollect his name, I'll find it in a minute. But he ended up in poverty, and he simply was just doing his job. I mean, for those who to be to, to, to cut to the chase, I mean, this this was in early seventies, I think seventy two specifically, where the Democratic headquarters, the Watergate complex, 
hence it's called Watergate scandal. The Watergate complex in 72, the Democratic headquarters, and again, mind you, Nixon is a, is a, uh, was a Republican, hence that's the whole deal. There was a break-in of the Democratic headquarters um, that was connected to the presidency, so connected that he had to resign for fear of impeachment. And then a few years later, his former vice president, Gerald Ford, who of course became president after he had to resign, Gerald Ford pardoned Nixon. I think sometime in 74, around 74, he pardoned him. But he resigned because they were getting too close for fear of embarrassment. I mean, there were recordings. There's one thing also, and I've mentioned this before. Nixon, Nixon was the first selfie dude, in a way. He was, he was intrigued by recording technology. He could not get enough of his own voice. So he had recordings of this break-in that implicated that he, had, that he, he, had, he was involved. So again, for fear of impeachment, he said, let me get up out of here. One of the biggest, the you know, deep throat, all that, <laughs> which was a, a porn movie in the 70s, but it was also used as a uh, deep throat the person. I mean, it was, it's a, it, was just, it was just an incredible history, an incredible time in history. So you have this lousy situation going on. Um, but I was, I'm sorry, I was, th- I was trying to remember the the actual um, gentleman that that uh, that uncovered it. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to a groove cap for a minute. I'm, I'm gonna look for this up. I want to go somewhere else. Oh yeah, Frank Wills. Frank Wills, African American. He was the, he was the security guard at Watergate who noticed that they, that there was a break in. And then, it, and then he, you know, when he reported it, everything else kind of unraveled from, from his, from from his disclosing this thing. And Frank Frank Wills, I mean, you'd figure he would be perceived as some kind of hero, but, um, you know, I, I brought up Frank Wills recently, Captain, as as being somewhat similar to Hannibal Burris. Hannibal Burris. <laughs> You know what? I'll go into that after the groove. I, I, you know, I, I tweeted something to um, to, to the uh, comedic actor uh, Michael Rappaport, and he kind of retweeted it because he had a show recently that um, he had some beef beef with Hannibal Burris. He and his partner, uh, this is this is um, Rappaport's, just like you, you, we do a show together. Michael Rappaport does a show with Gerald Moody, and these go these guys are waxing. About, about kind of, sort of how Hannibal Burris um, can be perceived as a snitch, and how snitching sometimes is not perceived well. Many times is not perceived well. A snitch in regards to Dr. Bill Cosby. So then I tweeted that Hannibal Burris is the Frank Wills of the 21st century. <laughs> anyway. Um, I'll talk more about that and then we'll move along but I think it is pretty fascinating um, I think we, I think this should be greater of greater news Cap it should be we're so distracted 
We're so distracted. No one cares about we, this. I think we need to do it again on Saturday. This is one non-geeky thing. Let's do it again. You know about about this thing right here. Yep. This, I think so. This someone needs to make. I mean, this this is this should be the revelation of the decade, shouldn't it? I mean, I think that many of these uh, red, black, and green type of black folks. Um, 